we had to close that office down, which is 75 Wall Street, which is, you know, a few blocks away from Nine Live. I was actually walking in our building, going up the elevator, and then we heard, you know, heard everything. After the second plane hit, they we, we stayed there. You know, they wouldn't let us get out of the, the building. And we could feel the, you know, the impact. You know, so it was real. It was real scary. Um, oh, just getting out of there, get you know, getting getting your mind right. You know, seeing if you still wanted to do this. You know, I, I really had to think hard about it. As far as my career, that what changed there. You know, everything kind of shifted to disaster recovery. Right, mm -hmm. you got an office in New York. You got a, you're mandated to have another office in a certain amount of mileage away in order to recover. Financial institutions they put all type of restrictions you know, regulations, compliance around disaster recovery. You got an office in New York, you got to have an office in, you know, close by in New Jersey just for disaster recovery. So my job eventually became, you know, storage. One of the things we've started to notice uh, with our audience and community for Tech is a New Black is that y'all are really expansive. Y'all are very broad. We, a lot of our community are people that are completely unaware of what the tech industry is. Some people in our community are familiar with what it is, but they're they're looking at, okay, should I do a tech bootcamp? Should I go to college? Do I have enough transferable skills, experience, networking things, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but we've had a extensively growing community of people that have been tuning in. Those of y'all who are very experienced when it comes to the tech industry, you're already working in tech, you are more technical. And many of y'all have been asking for us to bring on guests that have uh, more experience, more knowledge, and have a greater variety of the technical roles uh, in this tech industry. Uh, so that speaks to the guests that we have today. Um, our guest, Dennis Riddick, is someone who has been in the tech industry for quite some time. Uh, I actually don't know his age, but I know that he got in the industry at 18 years old, which is a really big deal. Um, so definitely looking forward to allowing y'all to basically just tune into our conversation as he's unpacking a lot of his experiences, his knowledge, uh, his wealth of knowledge and wealth of experiences in this industry. So Dennis, bro, thank you so much for being on here for Tech as a New Black. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like bro. what you're doing here. And yeah. um, I appreciate being a guest. So yeah, absolutely, man. man. Yeah, definitely, dude. Got the, you came, you came <laughs> suited and booted with the, 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 yeah. the, the dress jacket, dress coat. <laughs> We yeah. in Atlanta. I had to step it up a little bit. Oh, I'm, yeah? I'm not from here. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Where are you? Uh, where are you from? I'm from a small town, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. That's at a you know it's north like north of Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, like towards the Poconos that area. Okay. Um, but so yeah. not West Philadelphia, born and raised, but North no, North sir. Philadelphia, born and Absolutely. raised. Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right, yo, we rock with it. We rock with it. Yeah, man. So, so bro, let's go ahead and jump into it. So, I mean, looking here, man, you J.P. Morgan Chase, mm -hmm. Dell Technologies. Net app, a plethora of others. I looked on yeah. your LinkedIn and I was like, yo, this guy is, has done a lot at a lot of different places in tech. So, man, please tell us, like, right. how how did you get in the industry at 18 years old? Right. So, this goes back to 1991. I got a Commodore 64 computer <laughs> for Christmas. A what? A what? Commodore 64. Y'all going to have to Google that. So, not Nintendo 64. Not Nintendo. Commodore 64. Commodore 64. They had a Commodore 64 and 128. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just, I mean, I got started early. <laughs> yeah. And I just locked in, you know, I, I was playing a lot of games, video games, things like that. And then I end up, you know, using basic, started making my own games, right? Yeah. And this goes, this is way back when you had the uh, cartridges, the floppy drives, right? So, <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm but, noticing a yeah. pattern today. I feel like, is this, is this the third person that mentioned video games and how that's lit? Yeah. Like, yo, there's something in the sauce. With, look, for those of y'all who have kids, your kids playing video games, don't tell them to get off the video games. 
show them how to make their own games or give them something either show them how to make their own game or hack games or something because right. y'all can end up like our guest here dennis but go ahead yeah so that's you know that's, that's where i started you know in high school we didn't really have computer classes you know i took a couple of typing classes and you know they came to me like you know you want to get involved with computers and i was like yeah definitely so since then, you know, once I once I graduated high school, I actually started working at a, college, a local college, Northampton Community College, um, basically just fixing computers, you know, doing it for free. I didn't I didn't know, you know, that to get paid for it. But, you know, it was just I went to school there, you know, I ended up playing basketball there, you know, community college. But um, I got involved with basically fixing everything, you know, fixing all their computers. Yeah. I, I left there, went to another uh, college. Basically, it was a hands-on type of deal where, you know, we're just, you know, we learn Linux, we learn Windows, just the basics. And then from there, um, I actually got a job with a company called Lucent Technologies. They're a spinoff from AT&T. Okay. They created the chips for, you know, all the, the phones, right? So Okay, so all the yeah. chips that are that are in our cell phones today, Lucent has started that. Yeah, so Lucent Technologies, correct. Yeah. And they're, you know, they kind of work with AT&T directly. So there I was pretty much, you know, just fixing computers, same deal. Uh, we were backing up a lot of, you know, doing a lot of backup servers. I got involved with like Linux, you know, automating like scripting, you know, bash shell, corn shell, those type of uh, things with Linux. Um, from that, basically I flipped into that was in Pennsylvania. So after that job, I actually got hired at J.P. Morgan Chase, mm -hmm. downtown Wall Street. Um, pretty much, you know, I was, I pretty much doubled my salary there. You know, going going to New York, I was commuting from Pennsylvania to New York. You know, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, let me pause there. Um, Nine eleven hit. I was directly impacted oh, with well, that. Oh, you yeah, jumping ahead, jumping ahead. We're going to talk. We're going to okay. touch on that. Right. We're going to touch on that. <laughs> you got to edit that. So, nah, <laughs> so, no, no. So, so we're, we're, de we're definitely going to talk about that. But right now, I just really wanted to focus on, like, just how you got into the industry mm -hmm. at that age. Like, what? So, so you, I know you had mentioned the, the, the computer, mm -hmm. the, 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 you said Comp 64? Commodore. Commodore 64. Commodore 64. So, so you did that. Someone had asked you basically for it. They were like, yo, would you like to mess around with computers? Like to do this, you know, this, this program that they were allowing in your school. Right. And so at that young of an age, so after school, what was applying and interviewing like for you? Uh, as far as applying to jobs, I mean, it, yeah. it, it took a toll on me. You know, I, I, I applied to a lot of jobs. I wasn't wasn't getting hired. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it pretty much built up what I needed to know. You know, so, so, so it's a process, you know, you don't get hired at every job yeah, you interview, you know, it, for me, it was, it was, it was part of the process. You got to interview a lot of places just to know what they want. Now you go back and study yes. that. Okay. I don't understand. I didn't get the job, but I'm about to go all these questions I didn't know. Exactly. I'm going back to learn this. Yeah. So you're right? using the interviews, not just to get a job, but even the ones you didn't get a job from, you look at what it was that you were lacking and being like, let me go ahead and make sure that I'm, I'm like gaining that knowledge so exactly. I won't be lacking that anymore. Yep, absolutely. So I, I used to go on those interviews knowing I, I probably won't get the interview, but I want to get the knowledge of the interview process. Yeah, you mean don't get the right. job, but you're going into the interviews thinking like, mm -hmm. okay. Yo, right, that, that's incredibly valuable because, yeah, right. I always tell people, yo, the first of all, the majority of companies you apply to, especially if you're new, you're entry level, the majority of companies you apply to, you're not mm -hmm. even going to hear back. You're not going to get an interview. Right. And then it's like, 
the majority of interviews you do, you're not going to get the job. And I think so many people see that not getting a job from an interview as a loss or a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, no, it's not. You're saying it's an opportunity for you to like learn more about the market, learn more about what they're looking for. Right. Go back, learn that. So that way I'm better for the next interview. Correct. And this is, this is going back. We're talking 98, 99, you know, 2000, right? Yeah. So, uh, we don't have we didn't have YouTube. So nowadays it's, it's and it was gritty back then. It's gritty. You had to get in the book. Ooh. You had to read a big a big the big textbook. You Not know get it I mean? out the so, mud. You had to get it out the book. Yes. So you if you if you could look, that's how we learned back there. It was no YouTube. Go on the lab and practice. Though, no you, audible. No, you had to get in that book and learn it. Right. So yeah. Um, but they got it good now. Yo, so. I respect <laughs> it. Hats off to you. Um, so yeah. Right. So you were in the industry, but three years after being in. Three years after being in, 9-11 happened. Correct. Were you in New York when that happened? Yeah, I was okay, three so, blocks away. <laughs> whoa. So yeah. how did... So I, I'm curious, because I remember being a kid. I remember like watching it on TV, coming home from school. Right. I was so young, I didn't really understand the impact at the moment. I was seeing every the tragedy happen, and I was kind of like shrugged my shoulders, went in mm-hmm. back into the room, and it wasn't until... You know, as time went by, I was like, oh, this is really a big thing that's rocked our nation. Right. And so I ended up joining the military, Marine Corps, during, you know, during the whole Iraq Afghanistan right. uh, conflict. And so, but how did that affect, one, how did that affect you emotionally, mm-hmm. psychologically? And two, how did that affect your your work and your role? Correct. So uh, mostly, I'll answer that first. Um, basically, it was it took a toll on me. We actually worked from we worked from home out of the office for a year after that. Um, Man, that was way back yeah. before working from home. That was, was even the, a that thing. was the original work from home. So Whoa. yeah, we were actually we actually had, you know we were, we had to close that office down, which is seventy five Wall Street, um, which is you know a few blocks away from Nine Live. I was actually walking in our building. Uh, <clears throat> going up the elevator and then we heard you know heard everything they locked us in the building until af- you know after the second plane hit they we, we stayed there you know they wouldn't let us get out of the, the building the building shaking we could feel the you know the impact you know so it was real it was real scary oh um, absolutely so just getting out of there get you know getting getting your mind right you know seeing if you still wanted to do this you know I, I had really had to think hard about it going back into the office. As far as my career, what changed there, you know, everything kind of shifted to disaster recovery, right? Mm -hmm. You got an office in New York, you got you're mandated to have another office and a certain amount of mileage away in order to recover. Financial institutions, they put all type of restrictions, you know, regulations, compliance around disaster recovery. You got an office in New York, you got to have office in, you know, close by in New Jersey. Um, just for disaster recovery. So my job eventually became, you know, storage, you know, mm-hmm. backup, storage, recovery, you know, recovery uh, point, excuse me, uh, RPOs, you yeah. know, what, how, what, how, what, what how, is, mm-hmm. so what is storage? I saw that, I, I saw um, just one of the roles that I saw was data storage. Right. Like what type of role is that in tech like because i mean i understand like data being stored yes but what is a job that entails data storage yeah and that's the thing that's what i want to bring to the table here because i i saw a lot a lot of your interviews yeah but i'm not seeing you know storage data which is a key piece this is data is everything it is yeah data is everything i mean networks everything security is everything but at the end of the day if you can't store that data and access that data within split you know millisecond time 
you don't have a good application. Your yeah. app, that application, the storage basically controls everything. Mm -hmm. That's where you're storing your data. So where my job is, you know, me starting out as data, you want to see, you know, how long, you know, the, you need fast assets to short storage, especially financial applications, you know, anything to do with, you know, now it evolved the more, I, I, you know, internet, you know, applications, right? So mm -hmm. you have um, anything, applications on your phone, right? You, that, that stores data. Facebook, you know, your pictures you upload, you upload that, that picture to, to Facebook, to a server, yeah. that needs to get replicated to a different server and it yeah. needs to be accessed quickly. Yeah. You click on that picture, you want it to come up right away. That lives on storage. Yeah, so, right. so I'm familiar with, so obviously a lot of people hear storage and it's like, okay, there's the storage mm -hmm. that's on your direct device. Right. Then of course there's storage that you can put maybe in like some type of like file or, or something that holds storage, but we're talking right. about like big storage. Right. So we're familiar with AWS, mm -hmm. Azure, and uh, what's the other one? It's escaping me right now. AWS, you got Azure, Google. and you Google. Got GCP, yeah, thank you. Right. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So when you're speaking about data storage, I guess mm -hmm. how does it relate right. to to those cloud platforms? Right. So initially, storage is just you know you have a storage server, you yeah. know, like a like a the NAS. physical things. Right. So the, it's yeah. a, it's like a mainframe, right? But it's filled with drives, mm -hmm. you know. You access that through, you know, fiber channel or network, yeah. which is NAS, and then you have SAN. So basically, the difference from, you know, a storage array to cloud storage is kind of the same deal. Like, you have a cloud. Even though it's cloud, you have a data center, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have a data center. You have storage in that data center that you're serving to AWS application, EC2 instances, um, any anything you know that that needs to access storage, or you need to you you need to back it up, things like that. Mm. That's the same thing. Like I, I, they say cloud, but you know I I've, I've worked for Equinix. You know they're a cloud provider. They've been since you know forever, right? Technically they're they're a cloud. There's <laughs> you're you're they're hosting storage or they're hosting servers in your network devices. Mm. That's the cloud. You're just renting it from them. Nowadays you have AWS, which has you know tremendous data centers. You know, you have Azure, Microsoft, they have tremendous data centers. They store everything there. And then, they, you know, right now it's just more applications, things like that, that need to access it. And they have their own regulations, things like that. You have government regulations, you have HIPAA, uh, healthcare. Mm -hmm. So you have to you have to comply with all their, their applications in order to, to host servers in the cloud. Yeah. So that's that's really only only big difference from storage, you know, on-prem opposed to um, in the cloud storage, like an S3, yeah. you know, S3 bucket. Hey y'all, we have some incredible, incredible news that I'm super excited about to finally announce our private tech community. Yes, yes, you heard that right. A private tech community exclusively for you all who want more than just the podcast. You want more than just the FAQs. You want to talk with tech recruiters. You want to talk with, with hiring managers. You want to talk with coaches. You want to talk with people that can help with editing and rewriting your resume. Maybe you're somebody where you just want to be a part of a community where we're talking about updates of what's happening in the software industry. Y'all, this community that we've launched is also going to involve a Discord where we're going to be talking about updates in tech. We're going to be talking about companies that are hiring. We're going to be talking about upcoming tech events. So that way you don't have to miss any of the gems that I know, but not even just what I know, but the gems that friends of mine that are also in the tech industry know as well. So if you want to be a part of that community, go ahead and sign up so that way you can join us. We have a few different tiers. 
ultimately it's all tuned in for you. Oh, and last thing, also within this community, we're gonna be streaming all of our interviews with our podcast guests. So instead of you having to wait months to watch the videos later on, you will actually be able to watch the interviews in real time and ask your live questions to those guests. So make sure you join our tech community. So we, we talked about how, like, uh, kind of, I want to, I want to, because I really want to, to kind of dive in more on the, what happened with 9-11. So obviously we know the event that took place. Right. Did that have any effect, aside from the work from home, did that have any effect in terms of business structure or mm -hmm. other things when it came to the tech companies or tech? Because again, at my age, I wasn't able to see what happened. I was right. able to see what the pandemic how mm -hmm. that rocked the nation. I mean, that rocked the world, but I was able to see how that rocked right. the nation and how that transformed the tech industry and work. And not just work, but just the entire market. It shifted everything to Correct. where people stopped, stopped wanting to work. Mm -hmm. So then it became a employee market. Right. And so I guess what impact shifts did it cause aside from the temporary work from home? Uh, like, was there something else that took place during that? Well, I mean, from a business aspect, I mean, like I, I, I said earlier, you had a lot of comp compliance regulations. Yeah. So you, you, a lot of security regulations, you, everything had to be encrypted, you know, in flight. Like if you, you have an application that needs to access the database, all that data that you're inputting into an application, database server, all that data needs to be encrypted and needs to be backed up. You have re recovery time objectives. If this the application is unavailable, we need to be able to have it. You have, you, you know, there's certain applications where it's 99.9% uptime. Yeah. Right. So th those are some of the things that came out of 9-11 as far as accessing data, you know, when when's it available, how is it available? And then pretty much just um, working with, you know, the compliance, you know, issues. Right. You, yeah. you definitely have to be able to um, access that data in a certain period of time, you know, yeah. if you lost your a data center. Or if you yeah. lost your application. Right? Man, that makes so. a lot of sense. I mean, because, I mean, one, people don't realize, so everyone's familiar with, with uh, Amazon. And talking about just the value of data, people don't realize that AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, they're mm -hmm. a, a sister company to Amazon. AWS is Amazon's biggest moneymaker. AWS makes more money than <laughs> Amazon's store. Everyone right. knows about Amazon's store, right. but their real money isn't that B2C, their real money is that B2B with, with their, their cloud. Right. And so I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar. Um, I can't speak exactly in that same level of comparison, but I'm pretty sure numbers-wise, it's similar with Azure, right. with, uh, with uh, GSP. Um, and so it's like, man, these are really big deals. And it's like, we ask mm -hmm. questions, like, okay, well, like, why is data so valuable? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, AWS, I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, Microsoft, Azure is catching up, but I yeah. think AWS pretty much has a stronghold in the, on the, um, the cloud industry. Yeah. I mean, I'm certified. I have three certifications in Azure. I mean, AWS. Yeah. I have five in Azure. Oh, um, so, I have it. cybersecurity. I have architect. And then I have the professional for AWS. Um, so I kind of know the difference, you know, I, I did it that way. Some people say, okay, well, you should get just focus on one to get certified, right? My thing is, let me focus on both so I know the difference yes. when it comes to, you know, uh, some justification around what this business, the business needs of this company that, you know, that we're, we're um, trying to bring on board to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So now I know the differences from Azure and AWS. I can better justify what, you know, what their needs are, you know. Um, 
And that's how I kind of looked at it. I mean, the certifications are, you know, I'm old school. <laughs> certifications don't mean too much, you know, when you got 20 years experience, right? Exactly. But now, <laughs> but now it's like, okay, well, you got certifications. Okay, well, you kind of know what you're doing. It, yeah. Even though... The I feel like experience, you know, experience definitely trumps experience it. trumps it, but it definitely shows that you're willing to go out and learn this, you know, this exactly. tool, whatever it is. You know, you could be a CCNA, you could be AWS, Azure, architect, engineer, so many different things like you could pre-sales. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of pre-sales work for, for Dell EMC. OK. You know, I did. And there, there's, you know, obviously a storage company. Yeah. Um, they, they they took off, you know, um, you know, in the early '90s, 2000s, uh, when it, you know, when 9/11 hit, because they're they're a, a huge disaster recovery company, right? Yeah. They're, you know, if you're buying storage here at one day, and now you all of a sudden after 9/11, you got to buy double that. So wow, their pre-sales took off. Like those sales guys, you know, they're living good. Uh, but I, I used to come on, you know, really didn't have to do too much. You know, we got, you know, we're already, we're, it's already sold that you got, you're, you have to be compliant or you'll get, you know, fine. Right. So yeah, especially definitely. in the financial, you know, healthcare industry. So, and then yeah. my, my thing is, you know, I, I, instead of working for tech companies, I kind of work more, you know, for MSPs, right. Cause you're not, you're not dedicated. So you say you work for Microsoft, Yeah. you're selling all Microsoft products, right? Yeah. Now MSP, you could sell Microsoft, you could sell Linux, you could sell Dell, EMC, you know, all these different products. So you're not you're not boxed in. You're not boxed in one app. Yeah. yeah, you're not. So it's Yeah, that's beautiful cuz cuz then I mean that that I'm sure that increases the the volume of of actual like I mean just actual sales because now if someone's like, "Oh yeah, I don't want that Microsoft product." It's Correct. like, "Cool, we got something with I think you mentioned Linux." Correct. It's like, "Oh, we don't want that." It's like, "Cool, we have this." So it's like it allows you to like capture people that might not want something from one company but they prefer the they prefer the the product um or tech from another. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. So That's fire. Yeah. So speaking of, so mm -hmm. you worked at IBM as well? <laughs> That's the long story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we got time. Yeah, so. we can talk about it. Yeah, so actually, not not long. Go ahead. Yeah, so no, so I definitely want to talk about. It. I mean, right. IBM is one of the legendary like legacy tech companies. Right. They're roughly about a hundred years old, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously, when they started, it was something different. They had to right. evolve into something different because a hundred years ago, tech was not as we know it today. I mean, yeah. shoot, thirty years ago, tech wasn't the way that it looks today. Mm -hmm. And so, but they were one of the companies there alongside, like with Apple, that were really back in like the I think the seventies and the eighties that were really mm -hmm. creating the foundation of what we know of today as the tech industry, even when it was just hardware, main, mainly hardware. Mm -hmm. uh, so when did you get in at IBM and what right. was what was that like there? So uh, story. So IBM, I was actually a contractor. Okay. Through them initially. So initially, I was a contractor with Lucent. Lucent was partnered with IBM. Um, okay. So they actually took me took me away from Lucent. So I started working for oh, they IBM. They snatched you up. They, they snatched me up from, from them. So basically, and then. After that, after that project, after J.P. Morgan project, I was J.P. Morgan for three years. I started working for IBM. Mm -hmm. um, I worked for IBM just on their storage products, you know, mainframes. Uh, they're coming a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses coming off the mainframe, going to high end servers, you know, um, with data storage behind it. So basically they hired me. 
I was there five years, um, and they basically retired me. So I got a pension from them. Mm. Wait, so, so hold up. <laughs> so I you retired were, when so I was you, 28. <laughs> you were 28? Technically, right. So. Okay. And you retired with a pension too, correct? Correct. So how the flip did you retire mm -hmm. from IBM at 28 right. with a pension? The way they structured it, um, so they were moving. So, so the way they were working directly with J.P. Morgan, I started working for IBM at J.P. Morgan. Then they put me on other projects. So yeah. I was, you know, flying all over the U.S. doing projects, installs, things like that. They ended up getting rid of that business, and they gave me a package to leave IBM instead of going back to J.P. Morgan. Oh wow! So. And that was around like the you know the Y two K you know the the Y two K boom was you know it was beautiful, yeah. so I ended up retiring from IBM, got a pension, then you know I ended up buying a bar. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So I got into the bar business, um, but we'll keep it technical, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I still worked, you know. I still I still was in the industry. That was just something I did on the side, right? Yeah. You know, I, I had an opportunity to buy a bar. Um, I actually bought that, and um, it went pretty well for a couple of years. I was just young, you know. I didn't, you learn from your mistakes. I, yeah. You know, I had a bar when I was what twenty six, so it's like. I mean, um, shoot! I mean, if you spend enough time at the bar, you might as well own one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens. So. Yo, that's that's incredible, actually. Yeah. Hey, what's good? I'm Eric Bates, video producer and strategist here at Tech is the New Black. And if you're interested in what our guest is talking about and want to do data analytics, software development, or cybersecurity, we need you to go ahead and check out Pivot Tech. They're a highly awarded virtual tech bootcamp that offers mentorship and career placement. And we've partnered with them to offer our audience a discount of up to $300 off. That's right, $300. So use the referral code Tech is the New Black and keep us posted on your journey. Man, look, I hope uh, those of y'all in the Patreon community are uh, gaining some some value from this. Uh, definitely make sure y'all tap in with his LinkedIn. Um, kind of check him out uh, in, in preparation for the questions that you might have for him. So you, right. you bought a bar. You were still working in the industry. Mm -hmm. So I guess, and I, I'm going to sound ignorant asking this question, but you no, got to cool. ask it. So when you retire, I guess in, in my head, when I hear, okay, someone retired, right. I'm thinking, okay, so they left an industry to do something else. Right. But they more so retired you, meaning that they gave you a package that essentially would have been a retirement package. But because you were so young, you're like, well, I'm going to keep working. Right. So. Absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Right. So I'll get the full package, the full pension when I'm 65. Right. Yeah. I'll get oh, the. Oh, right. so that's how that works. Right. So I'll get the, the remainder of the whole pension at, you know, retirement age oh that's it's either fire. 60 or 65 i have to look into it's through fidelity yeah. you but, was like you was like man that's a whole lot of years between right. 28 and then so i i figured out when i get older exactly so i ain't even you know not even really looking into it but yeah hey that's nice you already got a retirement package no matter what you do you got one waiting on you right Absolutely. must be nice <laughs> <laughs> got got in there early, so yeah. You know, so got like got lucky. So you so you got that set up for you uh, when you're when you're uh, sixty five. Um, mm -hmm. How 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 old are you now? I'm forty seven. Okay, forty seven. Okay, yeah, you got yeah. a minute. Yeah, you got a good yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah. So and man, dang, so between twenty eight. So what's been happening between twenty eight and forty seven? Aside from the bar, right? You know, uh, that uh, that that that's it's something in this liquor song popped in my head. But uh, aside from the bar, right? What's 
tech wise, what have you been doing between 28 and now? Right. So since then, I mean, it's been lately it's been around converged infrastructure, which yeah. is what converged infrastructure is storage, compute and networking and one rack. Right? Storage, compute, networking in right. one rack. Right. So it's, it's basically instead of going out and buy servers, storage and a network equipment, it's all in the converged infrastructure in one and one uh, unit. Yeah. One rack unit. So we started doing that early, probably like 2012 uh, for a company called Dell. Uh, they had a couple of products, yeah. you know. Y'all, y'all might or might not have heard of Dell. It's the company, it's actually, it's a company called Dell. It was EMC and then Dell purchased the EMC. Okay, cool. Right. So EMC is originally created the product. You know, it's, it's called um, V-Block. You know, so they essentially had, instead of you going out and purchasing all these support contracts through, through three different companies, you would go to Cisco, you would go to IBM, you know, to buy your servers. Then you would go to Dell, EMC, HP, Hitachi, the big ones, NetApp. Uh, instead of have to purchase them separately, have to purchase everything separate, they converge everything into one unit, right? So yeah. save a lot of time, money. You have you don't have to make three different support calls when you have an issue, and then you know that kind of you know change the change the game. You yeah. know, from there you're basically creating cloud infrastructure. That's a cloud. You know, that's what Microsoft does. They have converged infrastructure products in their data centers, so they don't have they don't buy a bunch of separate units. You know, they'll have one like. For instance, the one in NetApp is called a FlexPod. Okay. Right. So FlexPod has Cisco, it has storage, and then you have network and everything together. Um, so you're not purchasing different um, support bundles. Yeah. Right. So. So with all the, the time you've been mm-hmm. in the industry, man, what are what are some different net like things you've done in terms mm-hmm. of networking in the space that you think people could really gain value from? Um, for me, I mean. I I did a lot of different jobs, pretty much the, what they call a job hopper. Yeah. So I would learn something, you know, I would go into a, you know, a proje- project, I would learn something there, try to, you know, implement that to my next, you know, pr- uh, next job or whatever I was going to do, next project. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a question asker. I used to go up to the network guys and, you know, how do you, how you do this? How you do that? They used to get, you know, sick of me. Some of them liked it. <laughs> You know, some tech, you know, tech guys back then, engineers, they just want to sit back on their computer. Oh, yeah. Do their work. They're not good communicators, but they could get the job done. Right. Me, Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask regardless because I want to learn. You know, I know I'm trying to move on. You know, I'm I'm trying to move up, you know, and this is early. You know, you got to ask questions. You got to you got to dig in. Once you get in, you know, for the young guys out there, once you get in, you know, you get your help desk job. You go talk to that network guy, the server guy. You look at, you know, the support tickets, even though the ticket's not yours, you go look at those support tickets, figure out what the uh, resolution was for the support tickets. The issue was a resolution. This is how you gain knowledge. You know, you go through them tickets. That's what I did. I used to go through tickets. Oh, how, how do they fix this? You know what I mean? And then I will go to the ticket owner, ask him questions. How did you figure this out? You know what I mean? It, it, you know, they can say no. We, we, this is not. This is out your realm. Yeah. Or they can, you know, say, okay, well, yeah, this is how we did it, Dennis. You know, and you know, I met some good guys that way. You know, and then just dealing with different vars. You know, you you ask questions. You know, what what are some of the the things you're seeing out there in the industry? What are some of the pain points? Things like that. You know, just to justify. You know, back to your business. Okay, we're we're starting to see certain issues. We know a product out there. 
you know, this vendor could help out with this solution. Yeah. Right. That's for me. That's, you know, I, I just, you know, when I was in an industry like that, you know, in the beginning, I used to just ask a lot of questions. You know, vendors used to come on site. I, you know, try to get involved, even though I wasn't supposed to be involved. I would get involved with that, you know. Um, so I kind of got myself into trouble a couple of times, but it was worth it. Right. So. <laughs> but, so, man, bro, you've done so much in the space. And yeah. one of the things I appreciate about a guest like you is that you have a wealth of knowledge and it's a lot of resources that people really should glean from and learn from. Because a lot of people just want to get in the industry. A lot of people just want to scale, but they don't realize the value of kind of operating like yourself where, because mm-hmm. again, there's, there's a difference between someone who job hops because they're just trying to jump company to company to get, to get more money, which is cool. Right. But you didn't just do that. You also were absorbing knowledge and experience yeah. from each company, being very strategic about it, about Correct. what you were learning. And then making sure that, like you mentioned, when you went to another company that you implemented that to allow yourself to stand out. Correct. And I mean, even even now with all of your time in the industry, I mean, you've been in the industry at this point about mm-hmm. almost 30 years, going on 30 years right. almost. Yep. It's like you still have this mentality of, I mean, shoot, you're getting certification. You already have experience. Mm-hmm. But you still have that, that mentality to, okay, what more can I acquire? What more can I gain? Yeah. And I think one of the things I'm always telling, telling the community is, hey, y'all. This is not an industry where you just are in it for a few years and you know everything. Right. It's like you constantly, you have to have a student mentality. You mm-hmm. need to be learning. Like whether you're a customer facing role or back end role, right. you have to have some type of work ethic to where you're fine with constantly learning because yeah. even aside from just you working at different companies, I mean, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, even if you're staying at one company, the industry is constantly evolving. The technology is constantly evolving. Right. And if you're not hip to it, then the same way technology replaces technology, you can be replaced by someone who is getting hip to the new things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, you know, I always stress that, you know, I stress the fact that, you know, even though you're in, you're, you're now in the industry, you still want to be able to learn, you know, from different people. You want to learn different technologies around that. Create your own projects, right? You got to, you got to issue with something, you know, try to script that out, automate it. You know, if you're doing something over and over again, create a script for that. You know, that way, you know, you're automating, you're, you're saving yourself time, right? For me, you know, I, I used to create my own projects. You know, example, you know, we when I was learning VMware, which is basically when we started moving servers to vir- virtualized servers, which is VMware. So Man. what I did is I started, you know, I just started, you know, learning VMware. You know, now, and the industry took a, a stronghold on that. Now everything's virtualized, right? Yeah. Instead of having 20 servers, you have one servers with these 20 virtual servers. Whoa, so they switched right. from... Wait, hold up, hold up. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get to capture this. Yeah. So they switched from 20 servers all the way down to one server? Yes. And wait, you could scale way more. You could probably have 200, 200 servers. So it, the problem was there's, they're buying all these servers... These storage, you're spending all this money, yeah. and you're not utilizing it, right? Yeah. So you might have ten. I heard, servers. I heard that that was happening where companies were buying up a lot of servers, thinking right. it was gonna like, oh wow, we got all these servers, mm-hmm. but then they weren't even needing all of right. them. Right. So now what you're doing is you have, say, you got 200 servers, and you're only, you know, 15 of them are, you know, using 10% utilization, which That's is CPU right. resources, memory, things like that. You're not even hit, hitting 50% on those. Utilization for those servers. Yeah. So now you're doing, you're doing, you're running performance reports, you know, utilization reports, and now you you'll be able to move that to one server, which is the VMware server, yeah. right? So now you're virtualizing everything. And so that's, yeah. Man, that's wild. 
Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to go ahead. I, mean, I have a, one last question. I want to allow the Patreon community to any questions that y'all might have to make sure that you have them prepared for, uh, for Dennis uh, while I'm asking and he's answering this question. So, man, in all your time in the industry, mm-hmm. you've scaled a lot. You've experienced a variety of different roles, a variety of different companies. Like, what is something you see that's happening in the market today with people that are working in tech and people that are trying to to be at the level that you're at? Right. You feel that they're missing out on. Like, what's some key pieces that you think would be valuable for people to know? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I mean, from from where I came from, you know, um, I think right now it, it's a great time to get into tech because you have so many resources. You have YouTube. You have boot camps. You have all these things. I mean, the only thing I really think is missing is collaboration, Mm -hmm. you know, better collaboration. Like you have the Patreon, you have those things, you know, uh, but I I just feel like, you know, one-on-ones, you know, were valuable, right? Being able to meet people, seeing them, things like that. I think that's where we're missing. Even though, you know, the world's going virtual, you know, especially after, uh, you know, COVID, everybody got pushed pushed at home, working from home. So that kind of hurt the industry because... You're not, it, it hurt it and it helped it, right? So now we're working from home, we're working more, you know, uh, we're getting more done at home, right? For me, I mean, I get more done instead of have to commute for two hours, two and a half hours, yeah. right? So, I mean, that that helped in that sense, but as far as, you know, collaboration with people, you know, I think that kind of, it, it took a step back there. You know, you can learn from, like, I learned from a lot of people, you know, over the years. Um, and I feel like, you know, you got, you got value that I don't have, right? You know, vice versa. So that I think that's what's that what's hurting right now. But at the end of the day, you know, we got more opportunities. You yeah. know, we we definitely have more opportunities. Our people, you know, me growing up, you know, it was NBA, NFL, and <laughs> yeah. you know, if you if you wasn't doing that, you know, you wasn't making no money. Yeah. And you know, I'm one of the ones that got in early. You know, I felt like you know I made some good money. You know. Um, it was, it's really not about the money. It's just more, you know, opportunities that I can help my people out with. Yeah. You know, I've, the money's I've, nice too, though. Yeah. The money's <laughs> great. You, you all in it for the money. You got to, the money is good. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know, realize that, yeah. you know, in this industry, you know, they like, oh, technical guy, he's not real. They don't make no money, you know, but it's starting Man. to get out there. Oh, they, they know they, now. They starting to know. They know now. But, uh, yeah, just coming in, it's like, you know, a lot of people didn't, you know, Respect the technical guys. Right? Oh, so. They put some respect on their name now. Absolutely. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.